0: second act podcast as i always say it is a continuation yet an evolution the act of finding meaning fulfillment and a deep sense of purpose in the beginning i thought this medium would be a place to learn from experiences of others during what this platform has given us and so many recordings that we have done the name itself has become synonymous to so many different ideas for some it spells hope for the other's inspiration and for me today it purely spells power. It is a place where people come to narrate their experiences, a place of learning and viewing the world from someone else's perspective, a place to share, learn, confess, express and take away. We at Second Act truly believe that learnings happen through conversations. I've been waiting for this moment for so long Um, the person who is there with us today I've been following her I think for the last at least one and a half years Um, forcing my kids to sit on tv at nine o'clock prime time and everybody else is fighting on the other channels there is one person's voice I want to hear there is one person's analytics I want to know there is one person's confidence I want to see so Palki you are that person a graduate or postgraduate in journalism and masscom from uh, Jaipur small town girl, uh, holds a degree in French, very evident from the um, I think the pronunciation whenever you speak French on TV, one can easily make out. Um, You um, talk from geopolitics to climate change to space missions to social media trends. Um, You pick on topics which are super relevant. Your uh, gravitas at nine o'clock prime time is something that is a must to follow. Uh, Because it not only has, uh, you know, uh, like I said, the relevance of the world, but also so much uh, that you put behind it. Uh, The the kind of work uh, from data collection to also, you know, uh, getting the deep analysis that you bring in. And with super confidence that you have uh, in the public speaking sphere, I really want to know about it. And I'm sure a lot of women want to know about it. Uh, we will start by saying welcome this is a second act podcast um, something which I started just as the instrument of transformation for people where somebody's story can shift somebody's life so you are that person who will bring in so much value so thank you for joining in thank you for being with me on this screen and uh, I'm just loving it so welcome thank you so much thank
1: you what a Glowing introduction. Thank you very much. Uh, um, you should be our brand ambassador for reon You have said such great things about the channel and me. Thank you, and I'm very happy to be here, Archana. We've been planning this for a while now. I'm so glad we could finally sit down and do it.
0: Yeah, I always wanted to be the news anchor, you know. I always wanted to be the RJ. And I didn't know where to be- begin. And I always thought if you didn't have certain kind of knowledge... Like, you know, for music, I must know all the genres and then only I can probably be the RJ. Or for news, I must be so politically aligned. At least my knowledge in politics should be so high. I did political science in college, but I hated political science. So I don't know what you have to say to people like me who want to be in the sphere of news or like in in the domain of public speaking, but feel one less all the time. First
1: thing I want to tell you is that there is never a perfect time or a perfect moment or the perfect planning, you know, now I'm ready to be an RJ. now I know enough about music, or now I'm ready to be an anchor because I know, you never know enough. And it's a constant learning process. So um, if you really feel, and you know, there are some things that you call your jobs and there are some things that you're calling, and you're, you're naturally attracted towards it. So as you say that you've not done it for a very long time and you have a very long uh, career behind you, uh, but you're doing it and you're doing it fabulously. So perhaps you always had it in you and you just needed that little nudge. So there is no perfect I, I wouldn't say that news anchors know everything about everything or they know everything about geopolitics or RJs know everything about music. Uh, you, you work hard and uh, you go with your gut feeling and I think uh, you see where it takes you. So uh, the same with public speaking, you just, you have to be comfortable with yourself.
0: Hmm. And that's the place to be. So how did it all start for you? I mean, were you always that confident Palki who's sitting in front of, you know, billions of people today and changing lives? Or how did your journey really unfold?
1: No, I was not always this confident. I had uh, my moments, very many of them, where I felt that I was... uh, I was doubting myself. Um, I started uh, performing on stage very early in life. uh, And for that, I would give credit to my mother, even uh, in things that I, I was not very good. Like she made me participate in a lot of dance performances. I still have two left feet, I'm horrible, but she thought I was a great dancer and I could do it. So she pushed me to do it and I did it. And when you start early, uh, yes, there is pressure, but you also, you also realize that there will be moments when things will not go your way or the way you'd planned, but you just have to keep going. Yeah. Uh, and stage fear goes away. I remember uh, I was going for, uh, for a debate competition in college. And uh, I had written it and my teacher had said that it was very well written. And then just before uh, I was going to go on stage, she called me aside and she said, I want you to sit down, forget about everything, take a deep breath
0: and -hmm. then
1: take one more and one more. And don't think about anyone and just go and say what you have to say. Mm -hmm. So that's where it starts. And then slowly you get used to it. And uh, the more you know the subject, Uh, the more confident you are so you would have seen that once journalists start doing it day in and day out um they can report from anywhere there is a crowd behind you people are cheering people are shouting slogans all sorts of things you just follow your train of thought and you say what you have to say so it becomes it comes with practice i guess
0: so did you join the traditional um you know, journalism, like journalism, writing for columns uh, in the paper, or what did you actually do to finally sit on, you know, the chair that you're sitting today? Were you always groomed to do it? Or did you start with like, you know, what most journalists do, like trying to be in the battlefield? Uh, You know, they aspire to be, but I don't know how you started.
1: Uh, No, when I started, things were a little different. I think uh, TV news was still uh, Finding its feet, uh, 24-hour news channels were a very new thing. Uh, I'm talking about 20, 20 years ago. Yeah, um, and I, I always say that I'm a journalist by accident, but I love being uh, where I am. Uh, once that happy accident happened,
0: yeah.
1: so I was approached uh, by Doordarshan to do a show. Mm -hmm. Uh, to do a news broadcast. uh, And they said, I will have to search for an interview first and see how I perform. And I I don't think I was very good with the interview. I did not. I I was in college and I thought it was just for fun and let's just go and see what happens. Uh, But uh, I found some very good mentors very early in my career. And they told me that I have to take it seriously that all all jobs are serious business. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have potential and I should uh, focus. So that's where I began. Uh, So I started television straight away from the anchors chair, which is not done anymore now. In hindsight, if I could have done it differently, maybe I would have been a reporter first, gone through the grind a little more, and then gone on to become an anchor that gives you more confidence, more depth and so on. But those were the times and well, it didn't turn out so bad Uh, (laughs) looking back. Uh, But I did write for, uh, uh, for Hindustan times as well for a while. And uh, I, in the years that followed, I have done uh, some reporting. If a not, if not a lot, I do go once in a while outside on the field and do things. Uh, but I would say that I've, uh, I've done, I, I've been in all parts of a television newsroom. So I've been on the desk, I've been on the reporter's desk, I've been on the anchor's chair. Um, I have. Uh, over the past couple of years also done the editorial work. So I understand basically uh, a TV now. And uh, yeah, we all take different paths, but this is well, fine.
0: How does that happen when you actually aspire to be covering Afghanistan sometime? Or you know, at least I know that my daughter is also studying media and journalism. And that's all she talks about. So uh, where is that aspiration taking all the journalists?
1: Uh, I think everyone who uh, who goes into this business uh, or this field uh, basically goes because they want to tell uh, those stories in their voice, in their words, with their uh, you know they want to they want to experience it firsthand mm-hmm. and say it. Yeah. So that is a huge draw. Uh, at the same time, uh, if you have two hundred odd people in running a channel. I think only 20 come on air.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And once you learn how media functions, you realize that those 20 are not necessarily the most important people.
0: Yeah,
1: There are, there are very important contributors who do not come on screen. And I, I think that, that somehow they are uh, they're better professionals than us. Because once you're on the screen or once you get a byline in the paper, you get, you get hooked to the idea that but think of the person who is writing your story or who is editing your story or making your graphics or you know part of the technical team their face their name never appears but they own the product and they want to make it look good and those are the people who make uh, uh, tv channels and newspapers successful but yes when people start out everyone wants to hold that mic and say reporting from such and ah. such place <laughs> And there is a a thrill to it. I wouldn't deny that.
0: Yes. So uh, going back to where you started, of course, you know, it was a very regular news reading till some years ago. And now, uh, of course, the nine o'clock is all about debates. It's all about, you know, putting your point of view. Anybody who has the voice says it, who doesn't have the voice, poor thing, they're just quiet on the screen. And here it is what you transformed. So how did you think of this you know, like you need to evolve um, news as a subject and where people actually get much more of their time because everything is value around right now. I'm spending time on the screen when I can do so many other things maybe. Why should I listen to those rubbish debates sometimes which really gives me headache because do I really need to be there? And then it's really something that you have brought in. So where where did you think of this idea how did Gravitas come into shape? And it's, it's a really very powerful platform, I have to say.
1: Thank you. You hit the nail on the head when you said, why should I spend my time watching it when I can do so many other things? Yeah. So that is the rule of thumb that we follow. Uh, will you watch the story you're showing to the audience? Yeah. If it, were your day, if it were to be your day off or if you were on a vacation or if you were in a different profession, uh, would you watch this news bulletin that you've produced today? If you wouldn't, then you should not do it. Mm. And uh, so I realized that uh, for a long time, I was doing the kind of shows that I wouldn't watch. And if someone said that they had watched me on TV, I would be mildly embarrassed. (laughs) Oh my God, (laughs) what did he hear me say? And uh, well, that's not how civilized people talk. Mm. Uh, Also, that was also the time when my children are still growing up, but that was the time when I was telling them, "Don't interrupt people in the middle of a sentence, and so on and so forth." And I realized that I'm doing those things, and uh, I yeah. did not want to do. I did not want to do them. I was not enjoying that. I was not enjoying the the noise. Uh, I did not like being the person I was not mm-hmm. on screen. Um, I like to have decent conversations. I like reading i like I like talking to people who bring value in the time that we are spending. And I think that should translate on TV as well. And so, and also because there is such a glut of uh, content, so if if you are to be, so that's that's the personal uh, reason why I thought that this has to stop. So I did actually take a break, and I, I I said, I don't want to do this, and I don't want to turn into a caricature of myself. That's not who I am. Um, and then I also, uh, because one is uh, a student of media and one wants to understand how the media business works. Uh, anyone you speak to will tell you that this is the, the media. And then the news media is like a s- tiny sliver of the circle. Everyone else is watching entertainment. So people are watching, uh, my favorite example is the Chernobyl documentary on, new, uh, on Netflix, but they will not watch a story on Chernobyl on a news channel so what can we do to change that yeah and that's where and i realize that there are there are many like-minded people but we've become a victim of our own template in the news business and that is why we thought that we need to have a show which is different a show which aligns with our personality and thought process And hopefully we'll find viewers. And initially, uh, when we proposed the idea, it did not find many takers, especially, you know, businesses are are wary of taking risks, especially with people who have not proven to be huge successes. Um, If today a a top performer in a company says, I want to start such and such thing, maybe he'll get funding because people will say, okay, he's proved himself somewhere else. But for for a bunch of people who are relatively... uh, not the toppers to come and say, we want to do a show, which is not, uh, which does not have a debate, which does not have uh, unnecessary guests for want of a better word. I mean, with all due respect to the guests who come on television, but but some of them are not adding value. So we thought that we will do something else. We will tell stories that impact people. We will tell stories that uh, interest people. from a six-year-old to a 60-year-old. And somewhere we've been able to to achieve that. I, I told you that I, I, got, a, I got two uh, messages in one week, one from a nine-year-old in Bangalore who said that she watches uh, Gravitas with her whole family and one from a 90-year-old in Texas. So that is quite heartening. So I think our formula has worked and we have found our tribe.
0: Yes, I think that especially the 90-year-old story was very moving especially when I think um, he had tears in his eyes when you said happy birthday to that old gentleman. You made his day, my dear. So you can <laughs> transform lives. So that's so beautiful. You should put out such stories, by the way. I didn't see
1: the story out. You, you must do On it. On social media? Uh, yeah, I thought I will ask his family and him if it if <laughs> was okay with them because I didn't want to. I don't know how people have different ideas about what is privacy to them. And it was a very uh, private moment, I think. Uh, He was quite moved and maybe I'll ask and and, and share. Uh, I do get some very interesting, I remember I was in Dubai uh, last year and uh, some some school girl came to see me Hmm. and I think the hotel staff did not call or they did, or I did not get the call or something happened and she must have waited for a while and then she had to go to school. So she left a long letter with lots of, you know, oh. things done with sketch pens. And it was so touching. It came to me with the newspapers in the morning. And um, I was very moved that, that she thought of doing this. So, so that's when you really feel rewarded. Yes. You know, more than all the numbers and all of those uh, parameters we track to see if we are doing well. Uh, it's uh, it's these messages from people and and what am I giving them? What are they giving me? But it's just that, and then you feel uh, you feel that you have established a connect. Yes, and I- it also gives a sense of responsibility. I think.
0: I think so because I think the way you translate news uh, goes deep inside. I have to say, you want to know more, and you want to know, okay, from where is this news coming? So you know, I can also create um, you know, a change my own perspective towards things. And I have done that also watching your news, to be honest. So many things get cleared out to say, oh my goodness, yeah, that makes sense. So you're doing a fantastic job, my friend, and please do it and continue to do it. But now that you're so famous, I want to ask you, <clears throat> how are you handling fame and uh, <laughs> being uh, you know known so much? How are your kids taking it? Do they know that their mom is so popular? Uh, are you uh, keeping like, you know, them isolated or insulated?
1: I'm trying to, but this is the generation of the internet. And uh, yesterday, uh, my daughter was telling me that, that uh, her French teacher asked, uh, she, she pointed out two children who she said were, their pronunciation was good, better than the others. And she asked, uh, do you have someone who speaks French at home? And she said, yes, my mother does. And uh, she said, I I just said, my mother does. And my teacher asked, what does your mother do? And she said, suddenly a couple of my classmates just hijacked you mom. And it's like, you're their mom and not mine. And they started telling the teacher everything about you. And they they showed Google images of you and your Twitter page and they shared. And and she's like, I felt like I can introduce my mother too. So that's (laughs) nice. (laughs) But at the same time, I think your family is your anchor because they've known you in the good times and the bad times, and they've seen your struggles uh, and the things that do not show on the screen. Uh, so they keep you grounded. Uh, my mother is one of them who daily tells me uh, that I'm doing well and she's proud of me, but I should not take it uh, too seriously. Uh, when goes up comes down, uh, that helps uh, my brother. Um, my kids too yeah so for them uh no matter what and that's that's true i think for any parent no matter what you do in your professional uh, career at home you're just their mother or their father and that's Mm -hmm. all that they expect everything from you uh that they that any child would expect from a parent so yes it's nice sometimes it's challenging um but uh but it's okay. And I'm not feeling any of that. You're being very kind. Um, You're famous and so on, but it's just this social media is also an echo chamber. We live in this bubble and we feel, okay, everyone's listening to me and everyone's responding, but really it's a much, much larger world out
0: there. But do you believe in this power of brand you? We just, um, you know, I had like a little workshop yesterday with a person who spoke a lot about how putting yourself out there is so important. Do you think that is for you as well? that you Our the world. power of brand you like basically about yourself uh, and putting yourself out there your work because like you said that you're not only you know a news reader you are carrying responsibility of changing minds of like changing perceptions of like bringing in more value to what people are hearing and listening so do you think it's important for people who also get you know to in a certain point in life to also you know, be out there to just bring yourself more open because you're a very close person. That my question is that you normally would not say much about yourself. We know about your work, but do you think that it will be nice if people know a little more about Palki, her what she likes to do, uh, what brings her this um, aura? And you know, what, what, what have you got really or done for yourself to be here in this position so that so many people can be you're really inspirational for them?
1: You know, one thing is that uh, it it works both ways. Uh, I don't want to uh, live in this um, assumption that everyone's interested in my life and every little thing I do. It takes a, although uh, for all those in television, we have that little bit of narcissism, like watch me, watch my show, I'm the best. So you should come and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, listen to my news or whatever I'm telling you. So that is there. Without it, you cannot survive in this media business. Uh, but uh, it's very important to not overdo it, I think, because then you become too full of yourself. So I'm trying to strike that balance somewhere and tell myself that that i do I do share what I have to share uh, with a closer circle. I'm not sure how much it helps, but uh, I guess at a certain point in life, you should uh, put yourself out there in the sense that you should you should share your convictions. Uh, your struggles more than your successes. Hmm. Uh, because, because when you do that, you give a lot of people hope yeah. that it's not an easy journey for anyone. And if this person can go through X, Y, Z things and still make it, then maybe I can too. So at a certain point, you should, uh, like I told you earlier, you should, you should think about paying it forward. Like we learn from the struggles of some people and the stories of some people. Right. And it's important to then pay it forward and, and, and give ideas or at least trigger some thoughts in, in the next generation or the people who are following you. So it is important to share, I would say,
0: um, your struggles more than your successes. Yes, that is true. I totally agree that when you put yourself out there in the most authentic manner, I think that's where even the connect comes. Otherwise then you're like a person who's just performing and um, then I don't know who you are and what do I learn from you, to be honest. And more failures in life, more, more learnings and more successes there on. I have learned it the hard way as well in the last two years um, and still doing. So I don't know if my failures will come more, but I wanna stop here now. Sometimes I feel God, was that's it, okay? Like I have gone through this now, that's it, be kind to me. Yeah, so Palki, uh, what do you have to say to um, aspirational women? Because um, there is, you know, everybody talks about inclusion diversity, and that talks a lot about including women. But this topic has always fascinated me. That why should women be treated somewhere, you know, differently? And why should the topic of inclusion diversity have women in the forum? Because they should be anyway treated equal. So what are your thoughts on giving a platform to women? Um, how can they aspire to be in certain positions? What should they do? What are your learnings in your, from your own life? So to
1: borrow one uh, term from Sheryl Sandberg, women should lean in, make themselves heard. Uh, they will be judged. They should not, women should not expect an easy ride, uh, an easy uh, journey. Mm. Nobody's going to make way. Nobody's going to stop talking for you to make your point. You have to make your point when you want to. So that's important to, uh, to say what you want to say and do what you want to do when you want to do it. Um, women have to learn to ask for things. Wow. Uh, the right pay, the right space, uh, the right opportunities. I see a lot of times uh, when I'm I'm working on appraisals or when I'm hiring people, uh, men are the first ones to say that I get paid this much and I expect this much more, or uh, I have worked for so many years and I want to lead such and such team. And that's absolutely fair. And women assume that somebody will notice their work
0: and
1: give them what they deserve. So like someone said that men are judged on their potential and women are judged on their performance. And that's the bias that unfortunately we live with. Uh, and it's not just developing countries or societies like ours, it's, it's across the board. You look at Fortune 500 companies, how many of them are headed by women? Um, biology is not on our side. But the thing that is on our side is that women have a lot of strength. Hmm. And that shows in the way they juggle a lot of roles. Uh, they produce babies, which is not an easy process. No matter what medical science achieves, uh, it is a it, it takes mental and physical toughness That's to cool. do that. Uh, so why can't it be a part of their professional lives as well? If they want something, they just have to go for it. No one is giving it to them on a platter. So, we should stop feeling sorry for ourselves and pick up our pen or our whatever it is that we have and, and just uh, go for it, I think. Uh, and, and this, our generation and the generation that is following, we really don't have an excuse, honestly. Mm-hmm. We have been given more or less the same education as others, at least you and I, and a lot of other women we know. Yeah. And we, uh, tend to take it for granted at some level, And that's wrong. All the women who are, who are dropping out of the workforce today thinking that, okay, I've done enough and maybe I don't want to do anymore, or I have a good family, I have a good space. I know at the end of the day, it's about your choice but you're making the wrong choice. Because by making that choice, you're doing a disservice to an entire generation of women who will follow you and still find only men as bosses. Yeah. So all the women who are working today, I would ask them to go the whole hog and not quit midway. Sometimes it appears very tough. You've quit, I've quit, you've come back. Hmm. And I would like to believe we've done better when we have come back. And so it's important to have that faith. And uh, this, is, this is our service to other women, I think. Absolutely. That when more women are at the top of the ladder, they will help other women rise.
0: But do you also feel that, although I totally understand when lean in was written and you know, with a good intention of that women should lean in and should help, but do you see that there is still a certain amount of, uh, what should I say? We are not as open to help as well. We um, are still, restricted when it comes to helping other women to succeed, but you are mentoring a lot of women. How do you see that transition? When you mentor, are they able to take it forward? Um, are they also becoming leaders of like, you know, leaning in and supporting or- you- They are
1: They are more confident. Uh, we started an exercise where we, um, you know, when we first started our meetings for, for Gravitas, I used to come with a list, but I used to ask everyone else to, suggest stories and they wouldn't talk and uh, there was a lot of inhibition I don't know why and there were a couple of people who had worked with very closely who were very open with me and I asked them what is it about me that that is not making people talk Hmm. because I know they talk otherwise so why don't they talk in the meeting and they said that uh, most bosses don't ask for suggestions and don't actually incorporate those suggestions that they're given so they don't know. They're trying to figure you out. Give them time. No, oh, okay. And it worked because now uh, I have people who shoot down my ideas all the time and say, mm-hmm. I'm not convinced. This is why you should not do it. And I like that. And I like, and I've also seen that when you give people their due, men and women, and when you encourage them and when you give them positive reinforcement, they always deliver more than you expected them to they always deliver more than they have to in their, they will not stick to the, I'm not saying, like don't have a life, but they will always try to do a little more Hmm. because they own the product and they own the project. And I've seen that in women as well. Uh, Yes, it takes time. And yes, I agree with you that sometimes women do not help other women grow. I don't know. Uh, I also feel that it's because uh, we have a much smaller sample size of women who have, who are in that position to help other women grow. I think uh, when you achieve a certain level of success and more than success, when you achieve a certain level of self-confidence and Mm -hmm. self-assurance that I'm here and no one is going to push me off if I look the other way, then you become a little more magnanimous and you say, okay, I will now help others. So I think we need to give women that space and time to really become comfortable in their positions. It's tough fighting uh, in a boardroom full of men all the time.
0: Yeah, so true. But what's the percentage of uh, your own organization? Is it more tilted towards men still?
1: Uh, no, so the newsroom has more women, definitely. I've uh, heard a couple of people complain a few times that, what is this happening? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, the technical uh, uh, team uh, has a lot of men. Like the camera section has, uh, I think, only men.
0: Mm-hmm. Not
1: many, many women opt for, for that profile. Uh, so that skews our balance
0: if you were to keep that out then i would say we are more women than oh, nice that's a good good one <laughs> okay uh, palki uh, you know coming out of the boardroom now i know that there are lots of things that keep you motivated uh, you read a lot and this podcast is about second act and second act is a higher purpose or whatever you can make out from the word second act i want to know what has been your second act or are you still discovering it
1: um uh, my second act has been maybe it's hard to say while you're still in it but uh, yes coming back and doing gravitas was a bit of a second act because i had thought i thought that i'd left the news business for good and then
0: mm-hmm.
1: i couldn't so i came back so yes uh, to that extent uh it has been but but like you said, that uh, for me personally, my, my journey has been about, um, I, I wrote about this yesterday and I often talk about this. So um, we talk about self-improvement all the time, that we need to do better. Yeah. Uh, but nobody is teaching us about self-acceptance. Hmm. And I think some of us spend a large part of our lives accepting who we are and it takes time. This is, these are the skills I have and these are the ones I don't have. And I can work on the ones that I have, maybe try to acquire new ones, but I should make peace with what I have got and then try to build on that. So for me, that my entire journey, personal and professional, has been about that acceptance and improvement. Lovely. Uh, And they both go hand in hand and it's taken me a while to Uh, to realize that uh, I, like you said, I read a lot. I read a lot of uh, um, our old texts, uh, religious texts, philosophical texts. And every time, every rereading reveals a little more. And I see it in my life. Like you said, when you see a story and you're like, oh yes, that makes sense now. So Mm -hmm. if you read the Bhagavad Gita, the the lines are very simple, you know, those. And people say, Karo, mat karo. It's so easy, it's easier said than done, but it takes a lifetime to imbibe it so true. and to, uh, to make it a part of your life. So I think uh, on, on a personal level, I'm just trying to find that spiritual space where I'm content. Then I'll talk about my second act.
0: So, with the stressful work that you really have, I mean, it is pretty stressful and you're on live. Is there any time that you probably messed up and didn't know what to do, or are you able to handle any situation anytime?
1: Of course, I've messed up. It would be no fun if I did not. No, I have um, lots of times. Can't think of something immediately but yes i've i've done all sorts i've had to redo uh, entire shows sometimes because i was not happy
0: no but when Uh, when you're live
1: when you're live you of course you of course make mistakes and then you just go with it or try to fix it if you can think of it then sometimes uh what trips me is numbers sometimes especially because because we have an international audience and we're uh trying to talk in dollars and hundred thousands and millions all the time. But sometimes I want to add, add something on the line, something, and I want to convey it to my Indian audience. So in my head while talking, I'm trying to calculate millions mm. to crores or, and I always get it wrong. <laughs> and then I have some, one of my producers saying, why do you do this? Please don't do <laughs> So that happens. Uh, I'm learning not to uh, do that. Uh, sometimes I forget names in the middle of an interview. That's horrible. So I always see it. this is not even an interview. But I'm sitting with a, a diary and a pen because I'm I'm very and I now that it, we've had COVID, this is an excuse that I can use liberally that this is brain fog. But I've had brain fog uh, for forever, I think, and um, because I'm I'm thinking and then i have losing the train of my own thoughts I'm always jotting down I'm always making notes and writing and talking otherwise I mess
0: up so tell me one book that has really brought in a lot of thinking uh, introspection or some kind of a shift in you you read so many how do you firstly uh, like you know put everything do you just read for reading do you read for an impact or is there anything that shifted in you by any book
1: yeah, uh, it's very hard to pick one book. In our last conversation, someone asked me about three books and I couldn't think of three books because <laughs> it's very hard and uh, books shape you at uh, different stages of your career and, and age. Uh, there was a time when I thought uh, Scarlett O'Hara was the best thing in the world, uh, Gone with the Wind. I thought, my God, this woman has so much grit and she can take on and and she was not your moral ideal
0: lady. Mm,
1: yes, But she did what she wanted to. And I thought she's a heroine, yes. Or uh, I was quite inspired by *The Fountainhead*. Nice. Um, later in life, I've uh, off late I've been trying to read the Upanishads. It's been my two-year project. I'm it's it's going very slow. But the more I read, the more I realize that this is so rich. And why did I not do it earlier? Hmm. And um, I try to tell some of those stories to my children and they, they're like, don't start this again. <laughs> but, <Of course. laughs> but, but those stories are life-changing. And I would say there's one book you asked me that, that really has deeply impacted me. I would say it's The Mahabharata. Oh. Because it has something for, uh, for everyone. Yeah. And it has every situation and every scenario and uh, it's giving you options, and it's telling you what is the path of dharma, and what is adharma, and what do you need to do. And I remember I was in a talk with some students, uh, uh, and they asked me about uh, about diplomacy and strategy. And again, I quoted the Mahabharata, and I said, uh, "Look at Krishna. He,
0: <laughs> you
1: know, he." The kind of things he said, all of that is part of our strategic, it is becoming a part of our strategic culture. So at every level in life, uh, I don't know if this is the answer you expected, but the Mahabharata is my go-to book for a lot of things.
0: No, absolutely. I think it talks about human psychology, the way we think, uh, the relationships, uh, you know, the way we we perform.
1: It's so layered, it's great.
0: And the manipulations as well. So it's not only about, uh, you know, just being a good boy or a good girl. It was all about manipulations and how you actually, you know. Um, the,
1: means, I, the, the end justifies the means in some cases. That's yeah, what,
0: Yeah. Super. So explain. So Palki, thanks so much for your time. Uh, this is such a nice, I don't want you to go, but um, you know, keeping track of the time that I promised. I just want you to leave uh, people who are hearing us with something, something that you learn probably in life, uh, something that you uh, do in your own personal life to be the person that you are. I think that'll be a good sign off.
1: Um, Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't prepare me for this. Um, What should I say? I should say, read a lot. That really opens up your mind. Try to find clarity in what you want from life, and a lot of answers will reveal themselves. Once you know that this is what I'm about and this is what I want, everything else falls into place. We struggle because we don't know where we're going.
0: Mm-hmm. And so how do you get that clarity? I have a question on that because you say you you should seek clarity, but I don't know, I want clarity. What do I do for that?
1: Uh, You you figure out what is the most important thing for you. For me, uh, it is important for me to be challenged constantly. Right. It is important for me to be inspired. Um, I'm a very creative person and uh, I get over things very quickly. So I start something and then I feel, okay, I've done enough. I've done this much, but now I need another challenge. And if I don't get that, I I don't like stagnation. And so I have to keep pushing myself. And so I know for a fact that I cannot, I cannot be just a parent or just a spouse or just a, a journalist. I have to be a lot of things at a lot of times. This is the, this is who I am. I want action, I want forward movement, I want challenge. And uh, I want to always set goals and move towards them. If I don't do it, I get lost and I don't like being lost. So I'm always setting these deadlines for myself. that I'm going to finish this in this many days or this many weeks. And that keeps me going. If I don't do it,
0: I feel unmoved. I think I'll sum it up like self-awareness, what you said, self-acceptance, and then self-discovery. And I think these are the three core areas of one's life, which one should keep on doing. It's not self-awareness will not end today. It is like, you have to keep on asking yourself, what do you want? Who are you? What are you seeking? It's not like once you get an answer and that's it, isn't it? I'm sure it's a... As you grow older, you're everything the meaning of things change for you so absolutely so thank you and um, what a lovely person you are you look beautiful you are a beautiful person you are my go-to person i aspire to be somebody like you one day maybe I'm, you will see me on the news channel who knows <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. thank you again